Howard Cox. London matters and needs reform. The official podcast of the Reform UK candidate for Mayor of London. And this is your opportunity to put your questions to Howard Cox. And before, Howard, we get into some questions, let's just talk about the campaign. How's it going? May is just around the corner. It's hurtling towards us. What's it looking like out there? It's very busy. I'm working every day for about 12 hours a day, seven days a week, meeting people, going around London, doing presentations. Uh, I will be meeting uh, hundreds and hundreds of Sikhs in a, in a meeting that's being arranged for me, which I think is a good thing to show that uh, I support all ethnicities. To cut a long story short, it's relentless. I'm just putting my face about the place. I've done 24 anti-ULES protests since last May now I've, I've attended. And compared to my competitor, Susan Hall, she's only appeared at two, and they were in Trafalgar Square because that's where the media were. So I think that wow. just shows, you know, it's all very well talking about you're going to get rid of ULES, but how about showing support from the people that really are suffering? Indeed, and and showing that you actually mean it. And if you're turning up to 24 separate events, then I think people could extrapolate from that that this is, you know, very much in your DNA politically. Yes. Do you sense, Howard, that when you get into office and get the big job, that, and I've heard MPs say this, that they they come into the gig, Secretary of State for XYZ, uh, when they get there, say, right, I'm going to do this, I'm going to cancel this, and then a a load of pen pushers come along and go, you realise you can't do that. You can't do that because you've got to do this first or you can't do it inside the next five years or just crazy bureaucracy that stands in the way. Is it possible that Sadiq Khan has planted a bear trap in the ULES department <laughs> where you go in and you look for the off button, it must be here somewhere, and you realise that it's sitting on a wall surrounded by a nest of vipers <laughs> oh, I mean, you're absolutely got it spot on. It's interesting. Uh, it, uh, and it, this is pretty much uh, similar to what I'm going through because, as you know, for 15 years, I've been fighting for the motorist in terms of the cost of motoring. And in two weeks' time, we've got a budget. And we've had seven chancellors in the time I've actually been running Fairfield UK. And every one of them, when they were not in office, not in government as such, in sitting on the cabinet, or everyone I've spoken to before they got into office were a massive supporter of cutting fuel duty big. But when they get into the cabinet, yeah. for some reason or another, the Office of Budget Inaccuracy, oh, sorry, Responsibility, <laughs> they unfortunately actually hold the, the proverbial reins. Now, in the case of becoming mayor, you're absolutely right, but I'm not going to take any, um, I can't say the word, from anyone. I'm going to get on with the job and we're going to sort it out. And if there are some legal ramifications, I'm going to take them on the head on yeah fundamentally people are crying out for change and getting london back into the hands of the residents and the people that actually use london on a daily basis and i will be doing that and i will take on anyone who tries to get in my way you wrote a piece last week an op-ed piece in the sun essentially lighting a firework up the trouser leg of jeremy hunt with the budget just two weeks away this of course is a national issue but it very much affects londoners as well for those who didn't read it just explain a little more about what it was you said i've been running for those who don't know a campaign called fairfield uk and every year and this is the 14th one we've done we've run an opinion poll over eighty thousand took part in this one just from from about the end of uh, christmas to to the middle of february we classify people by motorbikers car drivers ev drivers van drivers truckers taxi drivers bus drivers cyclists anyone who uses the road road users can take part in in this uh, opinion poll and fairfield uk we ask simple questions what do you want in this budget coming up what do you want regarding fuel duty and other issues and the big thing for uh, this is that you'll see that people who don't pay tax and those are the ev drivers and of course the cyclists want fuel duty to go up in fact they want it to rocket 
but it's incredibly selfish. If it's you know smug EV drivers and these militant cyclists who you know regularly threaten me all the time, but the motorbikers and all the other people that actually have a petrol or diesel engine obviously yeah. want fuel duty to come down because it's a major cost for their daily lives. So this, I wrote an article in the Sun, um, and I'm very appreciative that I work with the Sun on the Keep It Down campaign. And we've been doing this for you know, 14 years together, and we've been pretty successful because we've had a freezing duty all this time. This time, I'm really going even bigger. I'm calling for a 20p cut in fuel duty, which is huge, I know. And I'm asking uh, Jeremy Hunt to do it for six months in the lead up to the general election and just what that would do to the economy. It would deliver more money into people's pockets, more consumer spendings, more business investment, more jobs, etc. All those sorts of things that everyone knows. It's a no-brainer to understand what happens if you lower taxation, particularly on transport and logistics. And that 20p, I wanted you know, to give it a go and watch what happened at the ballot box too. I think there are 37 million drivers in this country and they all are fed up of being demonised, you know, basically hit hard in the pocket at every opportunity. This is a chance for Jeremy Hunt to actually leave a legacy because they probably will still will not win, but they'll leave a legacy that the Labour Party reversing such a cut <laughs> would cause them a lot of problems. That's, yeah, that's true. Let's do some questions here. Paul Fear in Wembley says, what did you make of that deep fake video of Sadiq Khan? And does it worry you that the same thing could happen to you? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, we I am worried about that sort of thing. And I've already had been victim a little bit on social media where people do things and put my face and my head on some other body that uh, is not really uh, <laughs> conducive to what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I thought the Taylor Swift one was rather good, frankly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame I can't sing as well as she can. Uh, but, uh, I thought it was you. I really did. I had no doubt about it. But the, yes, you're right. It's, it's a big worry. AI has got a lot of good things coming along, but I'm afraid in the hands of idiots, it could be very dangerous. And yes, I bear in mind, you won't hear me saying this often, but I sympathise with Sadiq Khan on this issue. It's interesting because I think also, and we did talk about this, I think, on one of the first podcasts, but I think in that particular instance, it wasn't so much people now using the word AI to just to describe any technology. I actually think it was just a bloke doing an impression of him um, yeah, and not a particularly yeah. good one either. No, but, but it does actually, it is a warning and a shot across our bowels to be careful. And unfortunately yeah. there's a lot of gullible people out there believe everything that's on the, on, on social media. Well, there's been some incredible ones. I mean, you can now, you know, you can pay uh, to, you know, have, Donald Trump sends you a message, but of course it's not Donald Trump. It's not an impersonator of Donald Trump. It's an AI kind of algorithm that has thrown up his vocabulary and is able to very accurately say whatever you want to pay for it to say. And, and that happens. I think Martin Lewis, the financial journalist, had a, a, a terrible experience where he was seen endorsing some shares uh, or some investment opportunities, which he simply didn't do. Yes. None of the words on the video of him saying, yeah, invest in this new Elon Musk project. He didn't say any of it. Somebody just made it up. Well, I see a lot of those endorsements for other people's things like that people from celebrities. And I hate using the word celebrity, uh, but um, unfortunately, see, they're going to be vulnerable to this attack. Of course. Uh, this one's from Les, who says, as mayor, can you do anything about the ridiculous traffic light systems in central London? Some lights literally let through one car and then spend 10 minutes on red. This must be deliberate, says Les. Well, I'm actually working with some people, these um, incredible boffins regarding the science of moving traffic efficiently across cities. 
And I, I'm a great believer in actually main arteries, should the traffic lights just stay open for longer than they currently are. It would be a bit of a pain for people getting on and off. Well, not off so much, but getting on onto the main arteries. But it would get London moving again. So I, I, I'm really looking to this. I, I take it very seriously that traffic lights are one of the best ways in terms of actually getting that sorted out properly for getting uh, removing congestion in our already over-congested city. Yeah, every, every cab driver will tell, you know, will have their demon traffic light that they think is worse yeah. than anyone else. But I'm going to nominate Northumberland Avenue as it goes on to Trafalgar Square. Yeah. Uh, because you could be waiting as far back as Blackfriars Bridge yes. trying to get into Central. And the reason you can't is because that particular traffic light, and it's the same coming off the Mall as well, Whitehall, none of them are good. But that one, let, I think on average, lets through about half a car yeah. and then it goes red again. Uh, yeah, it, I know I've seen it many, many times. and I've been in taxi cabs and I've driven myself, same thing. But we mustn't forget also there's a little matter of these classically excessive wide cycle lanes, LTNs, all, you know, it's pinch points and you can't go down this way, you can't go down that way. Yeah. CFL decided they're the boss of where we go. And there's a question from Lucy on this very point. Lucy says, low traffic neighbourhoods are crippling the capital. Taxis can't drop off passengers. Emergency vehicles can't get to the scene of an accident. How is this even allowed? Well, I think I may have spoken on talk TV about this. I've certainly talked about this ad infinitum. At night times, there are now Ubers can't actually go down those LTNs and drop people off at night. So the safety, particularly of young women or anyone in the situation, they can't get out to their front door because Ubers aren't allowed to get there because if they do go down, they're going to get fined and get, and get points, all those sorts of things. The thing we've got to understand about this is LTNs were a temporary measure during lockdown. They've got to go now. We don't need them. What we need to do is focus on actually stopping dangerous driving. The rat run idea is to stopping the rat run, but all they're doing is these LTNs are moving into another rat run and moving that congestion and emissions area into crowded areas. I I talk to bus drivers and taxi drivers and they say the same thing, it's not working. One of the problems, I guess, is is that from not just your perspective, but anybody who wishes to raise an argument against this kind of stuff, seems to be that uh, you're arguing against those that are trying to save the planet. And there's the problem. So Sadiq Khan will say, I need my ULEZ. We've got to think of net zero. We've got to think of not polluting kids' lungs. We need the low traffic neighborhoods because it's only right that people in residential areas can go about their business without an articulated lorry outside number 76 every day. We should have green spaces for kids to play. And all of that stuff sounds, it sounds very nice and it sounds very caring. And if politically that's where you're at, you can't get your head out of that one. So people come down, not necessarily in large numbers, but in significant numbers on the side of what they think is right and righteous. And there's, I think, the problem. And if you come about and say, actually, there's another way of doing this, uh, because people always mention this about you, Liz, don't they say, well, you know, so you want to poison kids. It's like, well, let's just park the fact that air pollution has got immeasurably better in recent years and continues to do so. There are other ways of doing it. You're absolutely right, Ian. Obviously, this is very close to my heart, and I've been talking about this for, I don't know, donkey years many times on your programmes. The thing is that motorists want to be recognised as the commercial and social heartbeat of the economy and, and, and not to be incessantly blamed for all the world's climate and health calamities allegedly all down to car emissions. And what's bad, they're an easy target, not only for actually, you know, taxation, you know, because, you know, as I said, in two weeks' time, we got a budget. And by now, the Treasury officials have all sat down and said, right, how much more can we get out of drivers? 
and they hide that getting more tax behind the net zero dream fantasy. And we've got to actually fight this and bring absolute facts because all policy is being based on emotion, not on fact. And as you quite rightly said, I mean, London is the 12th cleanest city in the world in terms of emissions, but that doesn't get the headline. And a final question from Bryn. You'll love this one. Where would you spend good money first and where will you stop spending money on daft projects like renaming railway lines? (laughs) I mean, that was an absolute peach that came out of City Hall this week. Well, I was quoted in several papers and uh, and I just couldn't believe what I saw. And and I may actually upset a few people here because that – one of the things that the, he's, he's talking about is having a, a, a plinth for various international things in Trafalgar Square, celebrating international and, you know, highly propagandish type things regarding anti-Britain. And, uh, you know, I've been asked to comment on that sort of thing. All these sorts of things. He chairs a, a, a group, actually, that actually decides what's on those plinths in Trafalgar Square. And those naming of the six uh, overground, undergrounds, or whatever they are in the loop sector, six point yeah. five million pounds for God's sake! I mean, can anyone with a straight face square that circle? Well, no. Well, he doesn't. This is the problem with the man. The man. I won't say what I really want to say because uh, I'm more respectful of that. But the man is seriously needs counselling in terms of what he's doing <laughs> in his life. The man is not fit for purpose, and what he's doing. And as far as what I do spend first on those sorts of things, I'm going to inherit something like a twelve to eighteen billion pound black hole of debt. It's a 22 billion budget to run the whole of London. So you can see there's a lot to sort out this sort of thing. But anything that's not helping residents positively and helping London positively will go. It will definitely go. One of those, of course, is the whole of ULES, all of LTNs, etc. But also, one of the most important things they're making, and and I I repeat this, uh, I'll be spending money on making sure people are safe in London. And that means bringing the policemen out from behind, sitting behind their desks, etc. And they will be back on the street, communicating with people, collecting intelligence, all those sorts of things. Money will be diverted into things that help Londoners. And uh, definitely any of those stupid things like diversity, I understand there's, I think it's eight or nine of his team earn over £100,000 a year. Why? What's that all about? So all those sorts of things. But I haven't got access to the full budget situation yesterday, and I will have to make some hard decisions, and maybe some things will hurt London in a little bit. But overall, the balance of what I'm going to contribute will definitely be positive to London, and we will definitely get rid of that those stupid ideas and stupid policies, virtual signalling rubbish that comes out of that man's lips virtually every day. There it is. On that note, Howard, have a cracking week. Uh, we'll speak in seven days. Thank you very much, Ian. Take care, mate. And that is it for this episode. Don't forget, of course, you can join us again. Again next week. In the meantime, follow Howard on social media at Howard C. Cox. That's at Howard C. Cox. Make sure you send your questions through ready for the next episode.